Hey, uh, you know, the whole idea of what, what he was just singing with glory to God and the whole idea that God is there, it, God wants to take you someplace that you've got to die first to go to. I, I mean, that's the theme of the story. It's like, do you know that God wants to set you like truly free? I mean, you watch your friends go around the school all day long and they don't have real life. I mean, you walk up and down your hallways and you see people and they've not figured out life. And, and it's because they haven't figured out some of these key things that we're talking about. This morning we talked about for you to really understand and believe in this full life, one of the things you've got to do is learn to hear God's voice. And, and so today it was fun watching you guys run around. How many people did something absolutely stupid today? Jumped in the water? How many are in the water? Waterfall? Mud? I was just, it was awesome. You know, it was fun to see you guys do this stuff because it, it's part of, part of being free is just being able to just kind of go for it. When you die up front, you're no longer afraid. And it's like going, God, I'm yours. I mean, everything I have is yours. It changes your whole perspective on life. Everybody in life is so busy trying to get theirs. And it just leaves you empty, and you know that. And that's why tonight I want to ask you some questions to kind of start you thinking again. I want you to think about this. How many of you guys got like Facebook accounts, right? Doing some Facebook, got texts, right? We do everything. All that communication stuff is about a couple things. You know this as well as I do. How many of y'all have friends who should be here this weekend? They're not here because they were afraid they would miss something back home. You see what I'm saying? It's like, here's the thing. How many of y'all hate to be left out? I mean, you hate to be a person, you know, it's like you find out about stuff and, and having you just, we hate that feeling. And, and here's the ironic part. We, we don't want to miss out on life. We hate to be the one left out. We hate to be the one that misses out. That's part of the reason we stay on Facebook. We want to be in the loop. We want to be in the know. And here's the beautiful thing about that. That part of that, being in the loop, being alive, and being in the know, that's stuff that God put inside of you. It's right that it's there. It's what you do with it is what matters. And that's why tonight I want to talk about this kind of second secret of life. If you want to have full life, rich life, deep life, full life, this next thing we're going to talk about tonight is, I think, the hardest block. Truthfully, most of you in here won't get this. I know that this is hard because I watch it in life. So many folks, it's like they, they kind of go and they go, I want to follow Jesus all the way to that point, and then I want to get off the ship. Because at that point, now you're asking something completely different. And, and if you're willing to step through this next step, this next set of thoughts, I, I'm telling you, this will take you to a whole new place for the rest of your life. You'll become so addicted to it that it will impress you the whole rest of your life. You can't leave it. That's the beautiful thing about it. Once you do this thing that we're talking about tonight, you can't stop. Because it takes you to a depth of life that you would never leave again. And it's one of the things that your leaders are figuring out. It's one of the reasons that why they do what they're doing. Because they've figured it out. And here it is. It's really simple. Right off the top. This big idea that you've got to get. Is it the secret to not missing out on life is to lose it. I mean, it's kind of opposite of what you think. But you know this in your heart. Think about it. Jesus says it like this. He says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. We're looking at that notes, uh, Secrets to Real Life number two. He said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. I mean, you know this. Selfish people are the most unhappy people you know. I mean, if you think about it, some of y'all, this is your family. You've watched it in brothers, sisters, mom or dad. And they've made them and the whole world circle around them. And they're some of the most miserable people you know. And then you know a few people when you slow down and think of them. And I hope your leaders fall in this category. Because they're heroes to me. But I, I, there are people who their whole life is by giving their life away. They've lost their life. And as a result, 
They found it. You know, here's the danger. Here's what I don't want you to hear tonight. What I'm not trying to tell you is, so go back and bring your friends to Young Life. No, no, no. This is way bigger than Young Life. I'll use examples of Young Life just because that's the context we're in. If this was all my football players, I'd be using football examples. It doesn't matter. This is kingdom of God thinking. Here's the piece of the puzzle we got to understand. I'm telling you, you know, go bring your friends to Young Life. I'm telling you, go be a friend. Go make friendships. Go make a difference. God wants to use you to change the world. Do you know this is the first campaigner weekend in South Carolina? It's not just the first one here at Carolina Point. I'm convinced that God has chosen you and put you so that Columbia and Aiken, things are going to start to swirl with campaigners out of these two areas, and it's going to start to spread across the entire state. And God's going to begin to do things because there are a few of you, a select few of you, that will get this and start to figure out, you know what, if I had the guts to lose my life, God might give it back to me more than I could ever imagine. It sure seems true in my leader's life. I mean, why else would they do what they do? And if you do, you'll catch it. Now, here's the problem. A lot of times we go, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. I want to have my life be bigger than me. I want to know that when I die, there's a wake of people that have been changed as a result of the way that God uses me. I want to make a difference in my high school. I want to make a difference in my life. I want it to count. But we don't know how to convert. We don't know how to execute. We're going, okay, I get that, but like now what? And so tonight we're going to focus on the now what? What would it look like to really lose your life? We're going to look at Mark chapter 2, verse 1 through 17. How do you pick up your cross and lay your life down? And here's some stories that you've heard before, but we'll see if we can convert on them. It says, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. And you know the story. So many gathered, there's no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. And the first thought, if you want to lay your life down and have it change the world, is this. Center on Jesus in his words. Center on Jesus and his words. You see, Jesus is the center of all these things. Everywhere he went, there was a crowd because there was something about him. And here's one of the challenges I want to give you. If you want to learn how to lose your life and therefore have God give it back to you, go home with your leader and continue to talk about Jesus, not just on this weekend. As a matter of fact, I've given you things. There's pages in the back of your notes, the last page of your notes that are back there for your leaders, for them to have future conversations with you. How did Jesus do it? What did he do? What didn't he do? What did he say? What didn't he say? What really did he mean by that? I've given you some notes in there. You know, you are my disciples, if or when. Do you know Jesus says that seven times? What does it mean? I mean, can you name the seven things he says? Sit down with your leader and talk about him. He talks about who he is, what the kingdom of God is like. He tells 30 different parables, 36 different parables and stories. It's like, do you really know them all? And what he's doing, sit down with your leader and go, I'm not stopping until we talk about every single one of these things. You and I are meeting together until we talk about everything in here. One of the things you can do with your leader is fun is this. You know all these stories about Jesus, right? He does all these crazy miracles. If you want to know how to lose your life for the sake of other people, pay attention to what Jesus does outside the miracle. Hang with me on this. So like the leper comes off the hill, right? And he says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And he falls down at Jesus' feet. Jesus heals him, but he doesn't just heal him. The healing is the miracle. What does he do outside the miracle? Before he heals him, what's he do? What's he do? Matthew chapter 8 says he what? He reaches out. He touches him. Physical touch. Do you know there are kids in your school who never have somebody just put a hand on them? I'm not talking about sexual weirdos, psycho stalker stuff. 
I'm talking about somebody in their kids in your school that have never had somebody even just put a hand on their shoulder and go, how are you doing today? You know, you're awesome. There are kids who die for that touch. I mean, do do you know that? It's It's just a touch, but it's the right kind of touch. Our world is twisting them all into sexual touches, but you don't have to. Do you know you can breathe life into people in your school with just a touch? Think about the woman with the issue of blood, right? There's a woman and she's bleeding. She comes to Jesus. She touches the string of his cloak and he goes, whoa, some power went out of me, right? And he stops and everybody's like, what's the deal? And Jesus, she's healed, right? But that's not all he does. What does he do? It says he calls her out. And if you look at the screen, it says he listened to her whole story. You see, we know from the story she had had years of bleeding and going to doctors and spent all of her money and all of her time and energy. And see, just being healed, that was the miracle. But the touch was Jesus going, whoa, 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 that wasn't enough. Come here. Sit down. All right, tell me your whole story. My whole story? Yeah, start at the beginning. That's what the scripture said. That literally, the words are that she told him her whole story. Do you know there are kids in your school who never get to tell their story? They have all kind of stuff. They're sitting at the lunch table, and they have a story, and no one has ever heard it. And you can be the one to sit across from him and go, no, 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 no. Tell me your whole story. Start at the beginning. I want to know you. You could do that. It's not that hard. The scriptures are full of miracles that Jesus does. And here's the beautiful thing. He does simple things every time. Attached to the miracle. Now, as far as I know, you probably can't do the miracle. But you can do the touches and the different things. Go through the stories, read them with your leader, and ask yourself, what can we do? Because when you focus on Jesus and what he does and what he says, it will transform you. The verse, the scripture that's common in this is Matthew chapter 4, he says this, if you will come follow me, I will make you, what? It can't even help, not hunters of men. I'm not telling you go back to your high school and pull out your gun and go start shooting some elephants in your hallway. I'm saying, go follow Jesus in such a way that it will be attractive that other people will go, I just want to be around them. I don't know. They just care about me different. I've never had somebody care about me the way they care about me. And it'll happen. Because as you follow Jesus, he will make you fisher of men. Some of you are going, you know, I don't know. I'm not very influential in my school. I I don't know how I could change the world. I mean, it's just me. I mean, I don't really even have that many friends. I'm kind of insecure. I'm kind of shy. It doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't say, come follow me. And if you're not shy and insecure, I'll make you fishers of men. He doesn't say that. There's no clause in there. So just come follow me. I've seen some of the most insecure and shy high school students impact lifetimes of people by just simply following Jesus, just doing the touches and the little things that he does. Get with your leader. Haunt them on this. You have to get this down. So here he is in the crowd, and they're focusing on his words. And some men came, you know the story, bring him a paralytic, carried by four of them. And since they couldn't get to Jesus because of the crowd, they climb up, they make an opening in the roof, dig through it, lower the mat down. If you are going to lay your life down and lose it so that God can give it back to you, you need perseverance and creativity. Perseverance, think about this. How many of y'all can think about it and it's like the first time you met your leader, did you meet them and then go, hey, let's have a really deep conversation about my life in Jesus? No, it requires perseverance. 
your leaders just go back up to the school and they keep coming out and they keep hanging out with you and they spend time and they spend time and they spend time and they just haunt you over and over again because they want to have an impact on your life. It's perseverance. It's the same thing for you. At first, everybody would go, well, that's weird. You know? But we have to be willing to persevere. And here's the other thing. You've got to be creative about it. I mean, if it was simple, you'd just go do it. So you've got to think through what are creative ways to do it. I've watched students come up with the most creative ways to lose their life in the high school. I have a group of guys uh, at, at the high school that we were at. The freshmen all ride the bus, right? Well, at least a lot of them do, right? So, you know, hundreds of freshmen would go outside to ride the bus out in front of the school. All the other kids would book for the parking lots and start, you know, taking their cars and getting out of there as fast as they could. I had a couple guys and a couple girls who teamed up, and they made this pact. They were campaigner kids, and they said, hey, we got this idea. We don't really need to get home from school like 20 minutes earlier. We just go in and eat food or whatever, and, you know, sometimes we got practice and we got to kill time anyway. So they literally kind of made a schedule where they would go, kind of a couple girls and a couple guys, and they covered every day of the week. And then they went out and they bought some lollipops. And they decided they just kind of go out to the freshman and just kind of hand out some lollipops, just kind of hang out. And they just be, you know, have a lollipop. Hey, you want a lollipop? And they just start striking up. At first, all the freshmen were like, like they thought, you know, is there a pie in the face coming? Like, what are these people going to do? Do you know what I mean? But, but I'm telling you, it transformed the high school. As these guys just kept going out, they learned all their names. They started, all they did was they just, they made a commitment they were going to hang out at the bus, even though they didn't have to. It was creative. There was another group of guys that I love, um, and, and Andy and AJ, and this, these two guys decided, like, we got to find a way to get, like, a group of kids that would normally be in there. We had a lot of jocks in our club, a lot of athletes, and, and they were like, we, we want to get some, like, non-athletes to come to club. But, like, after school's out, they just run home. We don't see them, you know, because they're not staying after school practices or musicals or whatever, so, like, how can we do it? And so, we had our high school basketball team. We had had this conversation in the fall, and our high school basketball team was terrible. I mean, like one, you know, two games a year. I mean, just absolutely awful. But we knew one of the guys on the team, and he was a campaigner buddy. And so these guys decided that they would start this cheering section called the Kilbourne Crazies. Kilbourne was high school. They were the Kilbourne Crazies. And so they kind of put together this school club, the Kilbourne Crazies. And they went ahead and got some of their own money, and they made some T-shirts and blah, blah, blah. And they went through the hallways, and they recruited purposefully Kids who were not into sports just said, you just got to come be a crazy with us. We're just gonna have it this way. They started doing things where they meet before the games and have dinner. Then they would go there and they would practice cheers. They did all kind of crazy stuff, you know, newspapers when people are announced and throw them out on the floor and buckets they were banging. And a lot of times they got in trouble, but they still had fun anyway. And it was hysterical. All of a sudden for this team that absolutely stunk and no one came to their games, we had this student section that would dress up every time and go crazy. And it was all led by two guys who just had a vision for friends. Did it translate? Of course. When the Kilbourne Crazies decided that they were going to go to camp, they filled cabins. I mean, they were fun by nature. It was natural. It was creative. There are people who are doing things, and God can be putting things on your heart and your school to make a difference. And that's what these guys did. They were creative. They were perseverant. They dig a hole in the roof. They drop the guy down. I would argue it's both. And here's the phrase. When you read this in the Scripture, they're... This story is in three different books, okay? And in the three different books of the Bible, all the words are a little bit different because different people are telling the story. This is not. This is the one sentence that is exactly the same. I think it's because God wants you to hear something from it. Listen to this. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, 
When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic. Whose faith? The paralytic's? No. The, the paralytic's being lowered down through the thing. The paralytic had nothing to do with it. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, the paralytic couldn't even stop it. He was paralyzed. I mean, he could have been laying on the mat going, guys, seriously, please don't do this. Please, I don't want you to do this. Please don't do this. And they'd be like, shut up, you're paralyzed. I mean, they could do anything with him. And they're dropping him down through the And we laugh about it, but it could be against his will. They bring him to the feet of Jesus. And when Jesus looks up and sees their faith, he goes, all right, done. Sorry, dude, your whole life just changed because of them. Whose life will be changed because of your faith? You know, sometimes I ask myself this question, whose life might not be changed because of my lack of faith? That's a scary question. But you know, the truth is, God wants to change people by your faith. What would happen if a group of you decided to work together? You know, it took four of them to carry the paralytic. We did this paralytic story. We had a couple guys who were some kind of sharper guys, and uh, they were fun. And we had this young kid who was the basketball team manager. His name was Darren. Socially awkward. He wasn't like uh, handicapped, but socially he was handicapped. And, and he just kind of looked kind of funny and just kind of awkward. And he was the kind of kid that, like, you know, he got cut from every team, and so they made him the manager. And so he just kind of became the professional basketball team manager for this high school team. And a couple of the guys decided, you know what? We're going to make Darren a hero. Darren's cool. They just kind of, in a back room one day, they decided, after a campaigners, they were like, you know what we were talking about? What it would mean to love somebody else? And they just went, you know what? Darren's going to be cool. So they just started loving him. Everywhere they went, they took him. And they didn't make him a mascot either. It wasn't like they made fun of him behind his back. They treated him exactly the way they treated each other. And you know what was hysterical? Watching the way that Darren changed. He socially, over four years, changed. When he was a senior, long after those guys had graduated, he was the homecoming king. That's the transformation from when he was a freshman and no one would talk to him to when he was a senior in high school. And he was bringing groups of people everywhere he went because he had been loved. To this day, he's a senior at Ohio State right now. He's one of the best young life leaders they have because he has eyes to see people, other people walk by because he knows that was him. They helped him with things. They helped him say, you know, hey, Darren, like, here's the way you really give five so it's not awkward. Here's the way you really shake hands so it's not awkward. Hey, dude, let us help you dress. I mean, literally, they just like cared for him, loved him. And when he met Jesus, everything changed. Who will change because of your faith? It's not that hard. It's just you have to decide to die up front and do it. And it helps when friends band together and they decide that they'll do it. We have two girls, Abby and Melissa. And these two girls banded together at our high school. And they decided that they were going to go ahead and try to love on some underclassmen. And uh, so they did that. They found some kids and they, they started loving on them. And they decided they're going to lead them in a cabin. So they, the two of them filled a cabin to go to camp. Some of y'all have been, how many of you have been to summer camp? Okay, I would challenge you, go back. Team up with somebody and fill a cabin. Two of you. Find 10 others. Fill the cabin and tell your leader, if I can fill it, then I can lead it. That's the truth. 
I mean, if you have enough leadership ability to fill it, you have enough leadership ability to lead it. Now, they're going to put an adult leader of some kind in your cabin, just because legally they have to. But they'll let you lead it. They'll come alongside you, and it's yours to do it. It'll be one of the greatest experiences of your life. These two girls packed this cabin, led this cabin. They helped lead cabin times. They helped share Christ one-on-one with people at the end of the week. The girls came home, and then this is what they did. It was so beautiful. In the summer, they filled their cars. They brought them to campaigners. But then every weekend through the course of the summer, they did an overnight at somebody's house. I mean, here they were, upperclassmen girls, doing like sleepovers at underclassmen, bringing underclassmen girls, and they just kept growing and growing and growing. It's transformed lives. What did it really cost them? Some time, some energy. But they had to die up front. And it's the same thing for you and for me. And that's what these guys did. They died up front, and they said, we're going to bring him. So Jesus sees them, and he does the whole deal where he looks at them, and he says, you know, you're forgiven. And they're thinking, we didn't want him forgiven. We wanted him to walk, right? And he's like, okay, well, so you know that I would have the authority to do that. Get up, take your mat, and walk. You see, Jesus was addressing the unseen, right? He was saying your sins are forgiven. That's what really matters. And so everybody knows your sins are forgiven. Go ahead and get up and walk. The scene. And one of the things uh, you've got to get is to live for the unseen. Because the scene doesn't matter. Okay, real quick. This is really important. Kind of cheated on this because he told you earlier, right? But like, if... If they hadn't told you where, if uh, Daniel hadn't told you where I went to college, how many of you would really care right now? Nobody. Nobody cares where I went to college. How many of y'all can tell me my GPA? Do you care? What about my team? I played football, basketball, and baseball in high school. Do you want to know how many championships we won? What our record was? I played a college sport. Can you guess it? No. It was baseball. Good guess. Do you care? I mean, does it really matter? Okay, when you think about it, if I was to pull up my high school yearbook and go, who was the homecoming king of 1987 in Madeira High School? You'd go, I don't care. See, the scene things don't matter. All the stuff that we care for, now trust me, I want to win championships as much as anybody. I'm a coach, I love to win. But it means nothing to me, nothing to me compared to the unseen things. The scene things that you shoot for, that you want to give your whole life away to, you, I'm telling you, you'll get to be my age and you'll think back and you go, I don't even remember. I can't even tell you what the record was of some of our teams, let alone do I care. You know, the girlfriends that I dated in, in high school, I think like, I, what was her last name again? We dated for like a year and a half. I'm telling you, when you're my age, you won't care. You won't even remember. You won't remember. It's sad. We spend so much time chasing things. And God's going, will you live for the unseen? The things that really matter. Stand up. Take a stretch break. You're almost done. We're going to rain down the home stretch. Come on. Stretch your booty. Stretch your booty. Hit the pause. Jason, you got to hit the pause. You just let it roll. Cut it later. Shake it out. We're almost done. We're bringing it home. We're bringing it home. All right, settle back in. Grab a seat. Just, we're going to finish up 10 minutes here. Home stretch. So let's kind of shake it out for a minute.
And this is a great picture of how you do it. It says, the very next story, Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake, and a large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. You see, the two magic words in there are once again. It implies that Jesus went over and over again to where? The lake. What was the lake? Well, in those days, the lake was where everybody settled because that was the water source. In other words, what did Jesus do? He went and he was with people over and over and over again. And one of the things you got to know is witness. This whole idea of having our life be a witness to people begins with withness. W-I-T-H-ness. The question is, who will you spend your life with? I can't tell you the number of high school kids that I know, and they'll try to spend their whole life, every waking moment, with their three friends. It's like, well, we have these three friends, and we're friends, and we don't really want anybody else in our group. And I'm like, wow, your life is so narrow, you're missing it. Now, you should have your three friends, but what if your three friends decided to share your lives with other people? I mean, really, like Jesus had tight friends, right? I mean, he had three really tight friends, right? And then he had like 12 that were kind of around them. And then kind of a group of 72 that were around them. And then hundreds that kind of wrapped around them. I mean, doesn't that seem a little more like the model? Instead of just, you know, just just us, man, we just hang out, it's just our boys. I'm like, wow. You'll never really experience life like that. Maybe you and your friends need to decide to see if you can share your lives with somebody else. Because witness begins with witness. And here's, I'll give you some ideas right off the bat. Jim Cornette, class of 1998, was on a volleyball team. He was a senior on the volleyball team. Their volleyball practice was always different than the JV practice because you have a gym and you have to share gym space. So their practice was always before or after. He just made a commitment that he would always stay. So if he finished before, he finished after, he just stayed for the other practice, and then he drove kids home. What do you think happened? The kid on his team started following Christ. That whole volleyball program just transformed in Christ because one kid decided that he would just take a little extra time and be with people. You know, one of the guys that followed him was Justin Wilson. He was one of the younger volleyball players that followed underneath Justin, or I'm sorry, underneath Jim. Justin is still the high school volleyball coach there. Graduated, became a leader, still the coach there, still the team. I mean, Jim did it in 1998. We're in 2009. It's still happening as a result. Justin does the exact same thing. I mean, you think about ways that you can just be with people and just share with them. I'll tell you what our high school football guys are doing. This is really kind of simple. You know, in a high school football field, just an example, all of y'all have traditions in your schools. And, and, and the tradition in most football programs is sophomores carry the dummies, right? You got football dummies you carry out, balls you carry out, and sophomores carry them. Juniors and seniors don't carry them. So I started saying to some of my juniors, hey, I got an idea. We started reading in the Bible. We saw the story where Jesus says, hey, you know what? If the Roman soldier asks you to carry his pack one mile, you carry it too. And I said, well, what's something you can carry? One of the kids said, dummies. And the other guys thought, crap, I can't believe he said that, right? But they were ready to lose their life, so they started doing it. So practice would end, and the sophomore would go to grab the dummy, and the junior would come and go, hey, man, let me get that. And they go, no, 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 like, I'll get it. Afraid they're going to get in trouble. It's like, it's cool, I got it. They grab the dummy, and they go, how was your practice? What do you think's happened in our high school? I mean, was it that hard? I mean, did, is, is that really that tough? It just begins with witness, walking in with people, walking out with people, instead of just walking with our heads down with our three friends and just saying, God, I'm here. 
Who do you want to use? What do you want to do with me? Not for young life's sake, but for the kingdom of God's sake and for your sake. Because if you lose your life, God will give it back to you in an unbelievable way. You'll have absolutely no regrets. It's delayed gratification. When you come back to your high school, I promise you won't go, man, I really wish I would have spent more time being selfish and alone, keeping my head down. That will never enter your head. Well, Jesus has this witness, and it says in verse 14, as he walked along, he sees Levi, and he stops. Are you willing to stop your agenda? Are you willing to stop your agenda? Because if you're going to lose your life, you've got to be willing. And I want to push one right out there on the table for you. Let me just give you a little hint right now. College is not your savior. One of the things I've watched down here in the South is where you go to college is everything. I mean, man, I hope I can get into Clemson or I hope I can get into USC or I hope I can go to UNC or wherever I can go. Like if you get there, that's like the Holy Grail. Hey, y'all, it's just a college. It won't save your soul. And I got other news for you. Even if you get there and it's unbelievable, you can't stay there forever. It's a college. It's not made to save your soul. But we make it a holy grail. I say this to kids all the time. I'll say, hey, you're a campaigner kid, right? Yeah. So you love God, right? Yeah. So what's the number one priority in your life? And they'll go, this is where I'm supposed to say God, right? God. And I'll go, okay, so God's the number one priority in your life. That's awesome. Where are you going to go to school? I'm going to go to Clemson. Really, you're going to go to Clemson? Why are you going to Clemson? My, my parents went there. Okay, what's the number one priority in your life? God. Where are you going to school? Clemson. Why? It's got a beautiful campus. Okay. It's the number one priority in your life. God. Where are you going to school? Clemson. They've got a good business program. You see how it makes no sense? How do you say, out of one side of your mouth, the most important thing in my life is my relationship with God. And then when you pick a college, it's not even on the radar. I'll tell you how I hope kids answer the question. They go, you know, I'm going to the school because I found a fellowship of people there that will pour into me and then other people that I'll then be able to pour out of so that my whole life will be full. Because wherever I go to college, I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to move. And God's going to do great things. But it's important to me. Where can I have maximum impact in my life? I just use college as an example, but we do that with everything, don't we? I mean, you just have to slow down and think to yourself. What, will I stop my agenda and give it to God? God, what's your agenda with this? Do you want me to do this? Do you not want me to do this? What do you want me to do? And God goes, oh, I got things I want you to do. And I'll tell you, it's nice that you'd stop to ask me. Because I want to use you to change the world. Not because I need you. God says I could use the rocks. I don't need you. I just want to. Because it'll be so deep and rich and fun, you'll love it. And you'll experience me in a whole new way. Jesus looks at Levi and says this message. Follow me. And Levi got up and followed him. What's your message? It's follow me. It's follow me as I try to follow God. It's not on perfect. See, here's one of the other reasons that people bail out of this message. That one of the reasons people won't lay down their life is, okay, dude, you don't know me. Like, I'm too screwed up. I got a kid, Brian, I love. And um, Brian started 
carrying some dummies, started loving some other guys on a team, got a bunch of kids to go to camp. We were going to camp, he's going to lead a cabin. He starts dating this girl, he screws up and he sleeps with her. And he comes and he's like, dude, I can't lead, I can't lead the cabin. We're sleeping together. Which I gave him credit, he was willing to come and say it, right? I said, well, why can you not lead a cabin? So I, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend. Other leaders are in the conversation, and they're going, oh yeah, he can't lead a cabin, he's sleeping with his girlfriend. He's disqualified. So Brian, are you, do you feel remorse and feel like you don't, you know that sleeping with your girlfriend is not really going to bring you life? Yeah, I know it's wrong, I know it's not really feeding is she willing to kind of come with you on this and, and let's figure out a way to kind of set it up so we can have some accountability. You guys won't be allowed to be alone. We're going to help you go out with groups of people and kind of set up some things to try to help you. Uh, you know, have you asked for forgiveness? Oh, yeah, I'm in. I said, great, well, you're leaving the cabin. And by the way, in one of those cabin times, you're going to share what you, what's, what's going on. So that's what he did. He went to camp. And at one point in time, he said, just so you all know, like, I was so excited to lead y'all, and I've been loving y'all, and I screwed up. I've been sleeping with my girlfriend, to be honest. It's kind of weird. Like, after I slept with her, it just didn't feel right. And it's kind of screwed up our relationship. And he started sharing what it was really feeling like, you know? He's like, it's not the first time I've done it, but, man, I really don't want to do it. It's not worth it. Which do you think impacted people more? You see, the message is just following me as I'm trying to follow this guy with all my heart, mind, soul, strength. It's not perfection, it's direction. The difference is hypocrites are counterfeits. They're people who fake it, and we can't fake it. But some of the best things that you can do for people is to go ahead and lead them in your failure and then help them learn how to fail. Help them learn how to repent. And that's, that's the message, and that's what you can do. And it doesn't disqualify you if you're a screw-up. It disqualifies you if you're fake. And you're not willing to bring it up and go, help me. Let's follow Christ together. Where does Jesus take Levi? Back to his house. And he invites other sinners and tax collectors and the Pharisees, the religious people, get all freaked out. What are you doing hanging out with sinners? And Jesus says this great line. It's not the healthy you need the doctor, but the sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And I'll tell you this. If, if you would understand this, you've been getting smatterings of this this whole time. If you want have an impact in your school before you go. By the way, this is the most impactful time you'll ever have in your life. Seniors, you have more time, energy, and resources, believe it or not, right now than you, and influence than you'll ever have in your entire life again. Ask any of your college leaders. They think back and they think, if I would have got this when I was a senior, I would have dominated my high school. And I missed the window. They will tell you. You have so much freedom, so much influence, so much power. And it's no doubt, what do we get instead? Senioritis, dude, it's my senior year, so it's all about me. I'm a senior. I've been waiting my whole life to be a senior so that my whole life can be about me so we can just party and waste this most influential time of our life and do jack squat with it so that we can look back on it and go, man, we wasted that great time of life and did jack squat with it. That's awesome. Think about it. There are very few seniors that go against the range, but the ones who do are legendary. At the high school we were at, they had this thing called Senior Balcony. Lunchroom was down here, and there's this balcony where seniors stood on Senior Balcony. It was known as Senior Balcony, and they would stand up there and kind of look down on people. 
lunch periods and other periods, senior bathroom. Nobody but seniors. I grabbed this group of sophomore guys when I got to the high school. I said, hey, I got a question for you. I've noticed they got the senior balcony. They're, oh, yeah, senior balcony. Yeah, got your, you know, like that's what they're, right? I said, I got an idea. They said, what? I said, let's screw with senior balcony. Like, what do you mean? I said, your senior year, let's destroy it. What are you talking about? And we're going to start talking about it now. Because when you're a senior, it'll be too late. But we're going to make a pact right here that we're going to screw senior balcony at your high school. And they're just anarchic enough to just go, yeah, let's do it. Let's screw with something. It's fun, right? <laughs> let's screw with the social ladder, right? And so we, we began to talk about how we could do it. Their senior year, they would go up to senior balcony, and there was enough of them that they had the momentum. They started calling freshmen over and sophomores over, blah, and the other seniors would kind of be like, hey, man, this was our senior year, senior balcony. And they're like, shut up. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> and so all of a sudden, senior balcony, I'm telling you, I watched it disappear. There's no senior balcony anymore. It doesn't exist. You go, well, that's really a shame because the seniors need a balcony. <laughs> no, it's a beautiful thing. At our high school, this whole idea is stop climbing the social ladder. Your whole school is fighting to climb a social ladder that when you get there means nothing. Instead, descend the social ladder. Reach down the social ladder. Here's some other guys. I love it. Brian was one of them. The guy that I told you slept with his girlfriend. He and his buddy Gene are two big African-American guys who were on the football team. One was a defensive end, one was a middle linebacker. And uh, we started talking about how at our high school, the black kids all eat like kind of in this section inside. And then kind of, it's weird. The white freshmen eat outside over here. And then the sophomores and the juniors and the seniors. And we kind of drew the lunchroom. And the freshmen don't even have tables. No picnic tables. They just sit on the ground. It's like, we're freshmen. We're just going to kind of sit on the ground. I mean, I don't know what it's like at your high school, but like there really is this sense. And so Brian, we had this conversation in campaigners and Brian and Gene were like, yeah. They're like, let's do it. Let's screw with the social ladder. So literally they went and they took some picnic tables from the senior, junior, sophomore section. And they were big enough that people weren't going to say no. And they moved the tables and they put them in the freshman tables and the freshman, and they sat on them. And they waited, and when lunch came out, I'm telling you, this is exactly what happened, because we can go to lunch as leaders, so I watched. The freshmen all came out, and Brian and Gene were sitting, they were kind of like, oh, what's there sitting in our section? Where do we go now? I mean, they were like sheep without a shepherd, you know? I mean, they're just wandering around, not knowing where to go. And Brian and Gene were like, no, 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 no. No, they were like, these are for you. These are for you. These are for you. Come here. The tables are yours. Come here, come here. I mean, it like took a while to get the kids. Come here. These are yours. Sit down. It's okay. Sit down. And then I remember, Gene goes, he goes, and by the way, these will be here every day. And if they ever get moved, you just tell me. I'm telling you, it's transforming the high school. There are still picnic tables in the freshman spot, and nobody moves them. Gene's graduated, but he made sure some other guys knew. You know what's interesting at our high school is black kids and white kids actually have started to really care for one another. It's changing our high school. I'll tell you a little about it tomorrow. But it started with that move right there. What will it be for you at your school? You see, here's the last analogy. Your school is like a bank. And everybody is going there to make withdrawals. Everybody goes in needy. And they're just going, I just want to feel good about something. And they just go in to make withdrawals. Here's the greatest news you have. Because of what you sang tonight, you're already free. You already got a bank account that's overfull. You can do no wrong. Even when you screw up, it's covered. 
Even when you totally blow it, it's already covered. You have everything you need. And you get to go into that school and make deposits every day. You get to bring some of that in with you and go, here's a deposit, here's a deposit, here's a deposit. It'll change your high school. And some of you go, I don't know, you don't know me, I can't do this. Well, think about this. What if, it's my last analogy for you, what if Michael Jordan, I don't know who's the cool person, I'm going to say Michael Jordan, because that was, everybody at least knows who Michael Jordan is, right? What if Michael Jordan was somehow like a family friend, right? And Michael came to you one day, and he was like, hey, hey, I just want to go up to school with you into your lunchroom, you know? Can I come to lunch with you? You'd be like, sure. And you'd walk into your school with Michael Jordan. How would you walk in? Swagger, yeah. You'd be like, it's my boy Mike. You know, if you're lucky, I'll let you near me. Right? That's the way you would feel. You walk into your school with Jesus, the God of the universe. He's better than Michael Jordan. Here's the thing. You have something to give that's far beyond that. That's who you are. That's what you have, no matter what you think. And if a few of you would band together and decide to lose your life, God will give it back far beyond. Most of you and all of your friends, their biggest legacy will be a level of Xbox or something that rots in a yearbook that nobody ever looks at again. But you can be immortal. Because if you invest in people, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. And God does it. Not because he needs you to. But because he wants to give you a life that's far beyond what you ever imagined. Are you willing to lean in? And say, okay, God. I don't know what that means, but I want to talk to my leader. I want to talk to my friends. What do we need to do to love somebody different? I'm not telling you to give up your friends. I'll tell you one last thing that happens with friendships. You tell me if this isn't true. I've watched this happen. Two friends, like Brian and Gene, left their lunch table and started loving on some freshmen and sophomores, started doing stuff with them, caring for them, giving their lives away. Their other freshmen, their other senior buddies, started killing, killing them for it socially. Hey, trying to hit on freshman girls, man, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I would go and sit at their table to try to have their back, right? And I'd tell them, hey, shut up. You know, like, we, you know, we'd, but they would catch crap because they chose to live differently. And then what happened was this. God started using them to impact people. They were having true life, real life, fun life. Their friends eventually got tired of just getting drunk and wasted and throwing their life away. Not all of them, but a couple of them. I mean, I think of a couple of them that kind of came around, Tyree, Jeterius. They stopped drinking and doing stupid stuff, and instead they started going with Brian and Gene, going like, hey, you going out with those freshmen and sophomores to a movie again? Can I come? Well, if they would have spent all their time and energy trying to get that group of guys to go to something, they wouldn't have. But they reached down the social ladder, and eventually these people saw it, and they said, well, i got to come be a part of that. It was a visible expression. So I'm not saying don't love your friends. You keep loving your friends. But I'm saying dare to ask what God might have you do with others. Let me pray. God, I thank you for these folks, again, for just their incredible courage uh, 
And God, I pray for them. Uh, Lord, I know there's a select few in here tonight that you're calling to lose their life, to lay down their life. And I thank you for that, that when they do, that they will truly save it. And God, I pray for the others that they would see that and they would be able to jump in the wake of that. And I ask God again that because of their faith, you would transform Columbia and Aiken. Begin with their high school and transform their community and use them to ripple through the state that wherever they go to college, they would keep giving their lives away. And when they graduate, as they get older, when everybody else gets selfish in life and centers life around other things, that they would continue to impact the world and do it from this place. Lord, I pray that you would do it through them, not because they're trying to earn something from you, but because their bank account is overflowing and they just have nothing else to do but give it away. Overflow their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here's what you're going to do. They're going to take a few minutes to set up the TV to get you some highlights and football stuff anyway. So go ahead and get, grab your uh, leader and whatever pack of people you did a little cabin time with. There's another set of questions there Saturday night, cabin time questions. You don't have to answer all of them. Just pick one. Pick a question, pick two. Just get 10, 15 minutes while they set up the TV. And then we'll be back. <laughs>